If the COP doesn't lean to a phase out of fossil fuels, it's basically a flop. Phasing out fossil fuels is the only way out of this jam. The fossil fuel sector will talk all day about carbon sequestration. It's a flat out lie. 19 out of 20 times it fails. They're not smart at all. They're just selfish beyond belief. And when these deaths occur, and they're occurring now, but when they incur at much larger scale, I want these so-called people who are very smart to be held to account. It's their heads which should be put up on spikes because they willfully ignored and they didn't care. That is Australian miner, Andrew Forrest, stating what is blatantly obvious. And if this present cop doesn't do something positive about stepping away from fossil fuels, as he said, it's a flop. Yes, welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations. It's so great to have you on board. I am your host, Robert McLean. This podcast is assembled here in Shepparton, in northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. This next piece is self-explanatory and you'll find a link for it in the show notes. Hello and good morning, evening or afternoon, depending on where in the world you are listening to COP28 Covered, broadcast live from the ground of the UN Climate Summit in Dubai by the ED editorial team. It is Wednesday the 6th of December, which in COP28 language is the thematic day dedicated to buildings and transport. It's also the halfway point. We're officially one week into the two-week process that is provided, of course, that we finish on time. You are listening to the voice of ED's deputy editor, Sarah George, and I am joined um, out in quite a nice, cool evening here in Dubai, just outside the famous Al Wassel Dome. Finally, at last, by our editor, Matt Mace. Hello, hello. It's good to be back. Good to have you back. Coming up in today's show, we have two back-to-back interviews with experts at COP on electrifying road transport from trucks to sports cars. We also have another edition of What's Hot and What's Not at COP to get you up to speed on today's news in brief, news on our listener quiz, and I'm sure some quick-fire analysis of today's fossil fuel furore and a brief reflection on the week that has been as well. All of that and more coming up in today's episode of COP28 Covered. And now from Euronews Green, we have a story about tipping points. Our planet is at risk from a series of dangerous tipping points, according to a new scientific report released today. That means the kinds of changes that could happen in just a couple of years and have a massive impact on humanity. I spoke to the report author, Professor Tim Lenton. So our global tipping points report shows that we're already at risk of tipping five damaging uh, Earth system tipping points, the loss of a couple of major ice sheets, uh, disruption of the circulation of the North Atlantic affecting the climate in Europe where we are, um, as well as losing large areas of permafrost that add to global warming and triggering the dieback of coral reefs that half a billion people depend on for their livelihoods. The, the tipping points that may be passed don't just have implications for places like coral reefs or tropical forests. 
Also, the kinds of changes he's talking about in the Atlantic could have major impacts for Europeans. As a British and European citizen, I'm most concerned about a tipping point in what's called the subpolar gyre of the North Atlantic. The last time this tipped, it gave us the little ice age in Europe. We're not adapted for a sudden shift to a much more seasonal climate that would have much colder, snowier winters, as well as hotter summers, and reduce the growing season for major crops by a couple of months, as well as major disruption to water supplies. A key takeaway is that it's not just every degree of warming that counts, it's every 0.1 degree of warming that counts when it comes to these tipping points. A message the scientists hope will be getting through to delegates here. Jeremy Wilkes at COP28 in Dubai for Euronews. And now it's 90 seconds from Yale Climate Connections. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizerwitz, and this is Climate Connections. Last year, scientists studying emperor penguins in the Bellingshausen Sea region of Antarctica were alarmed when satellite images revealed that many of the birds had abandoned their colonies. The ice that the penguins nested on had melted away, creating a disaster for their chicks. Of the five colonies there, we think that we lost all of the chicks in four of them. Peter Fretwell is a researcher with the British Antarctic Survey. Normally, emperor penguins lay their eggs on the sea ice that grows out from the Antarctic coast during the winter, and then raise their chicks on the ice until it recedes in midsummer. The chicks will lose their downy little fluffy feathers and get their waterproof sleek black feathers and go into the water. But last year, the ice covering the Bellingshausen Sea melted much earlier than normal. This forced the penguins to leave their colonies before the chicks had time to grow their waterproof feathers. So Fretwell says these emperor penguin chicks must have either drowned or frozen to death. It was shocking, really. It's very, very concerning and rather saddening, really, to see what's happening. As the climate changes, Antarctica's sea ice is expected to continue shrinking. So scientists fear for the future of emperor penguins in a warmer world. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To learn more about climate change, visit climateconnections.org. Now listen to this. It's from Narrabri in New South Wales, Australia. Hi, I'm Sally Hunter. I'm the Managing Director of Jenny Energy here in Narrabri in northwest New South Wales. And this is the Jenny Energy Shopfront. This is the heart of Narrabri. Just across the road is the post office. And our community battery is just up that way a little bit. And this is the Jenny Energy Shopfront. The idea of the Narrabri Community Battery Project is that locals who have solar on their roof and are generating excess during the day can sell that excess to the community battery and then have it available back to them of an evening. We were the lucky recipients of round one from the Federal Government's Department of Climate Change, Energy, the Environment and Water. I'm here at part of the area that is the Narrabri Community Battery Trial Project and it's also part of the Narrabri Renewable Energy Precinct. Uh, the great thing about this location in the car park for the community battery and the solar car park 
is that it's just across the road from the Narborough Public School. It's right next door to the TAFE, just there. And across the road this way is the Country University Centre. So this is sort of the educational hub of Narrabri and it'll fit perfectly with being the renewable energy hub as well. You can see the new charging stations over there for electric vehicles. And this is probably where the community battery will be. One really exciting part of the battery project is the use of some software that was developed by ANU. Here we are in Canberra. Um, this software uses AI to constantly improve its decision making based on a swarm of decisions going on all the time to make the battery as effective as possible. This project is super exciting for Narrabri. It's a way that we can directly participate in the transition to a fully green energy system in Australia. And we get to participate in this because of the work of Jenny Energy. Now we shift to a story from the conversation and it's by Patrick O'Connor who is the Associate Professor from the University of Adelaide. The headline for his story is Can the government's new market mechanism help save nature? Yes, if we get the devil out of the detail. His story has the dateline December 6, 2023. It begins Australians woke up this morning to discover they had a nature repair market after legislation passed late last night. Except that it won't be called a market after amendments by the Greens and it won't include biodiversity offsets. Many experts have been highly sceptical of using market forces to reverse the damage we've done to nature. There is some truth to this. Markets seek to find the point of exchange between sellers, here farmers and landholders, and buyers, fund managers, governments and philanthropic organisations. When the government invents a market, it can try to make it appealing to politics, principles and buyers, while buyers drive to work prices and standards down and volumes up. You'll find the link to that story in the show notes. Now here's something just a little different. You can join a webinar organised by the California Natural Resources Agency called the Secretary Speaker Series, and this event which will be on December 12, Australian time at 7am. I should note that it's Melbourne time. And a description for the event says, Join us for a special conversation with Pulitzer Prize finalist and Los Angeles Times environmental reporter Rosanna Zai as she talks about her brand new book, California Against the Sea, Visions for Our Vanishing Coastline. We'll talk to Rosanna about the environmental challenges and the goals for a sustainable future along California's coastlines. From the beaches at the Mexican border up to the north coast, hear about stories from indigenous leaders, community activists, small town mayors, urban engineers and environmental scientists. And you'll find a link for that event in the show notes. Yes, we've reached the end of this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. It's been great to be along. Now before I go, I'd urge you to follow this podcast because if you do that, You'll be alerted every time I publish a new episode. Also, I'd love to know what you think about this podcast. 
And so you can contact me via email on r.mclean, the number seven at iclad.com. Now don't hold back, good or bad, please let me know. Also, I'd love you to share this with your friends. In fact, I almost insist that you share this with your friends because the climate crisis is an existential threat and we need everybody on board because to solve this problem, we are going to need everyone and that includes you. Now, my screen is still alive with links about the climate crisis, so I'll put as many as I can in the show notes. So please go there, check them out, read the stories, make some decisions. Now check out the show notes. Thank you. So, until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle.